Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to yet another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And this is your host, Peter. So today, we're going to talk about a topic that I believe we kind of hashed out while Peter was down here in uh, lovely Southern California. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, full disclosure, I pseudo-borrowed this idea from a, what I guess you you completely borrowed it, right? Yeah, uh, borrowed is a loose is a is a conservative term. Um, <laughs> I stole this idea from a, a I guess what you would call a live podcast on one of the XM stations I listen to. Uh, there's a guy on there, Jason Schwartzman, who you may know as an actor in a lot of those Wes Anderson films. Uh, he has a radio show called like Coconut Records, Coconut Radio, um, hmm. and he did an, inter- an interesting show. It's like a one-hour show he does like once a week on uh, on Sirius XM. He had an interesting show where he uh, picked a bunch of songs and played the demo versions of those songs and the final versions, which are called the Masters, um, and just talked about, you know, how they're different, how they're the same, how this uh, music evolved from the demo to the master. And I'm like, hey, that's really interesting. He only covered like, I want to say like three or four songs but yeah. I was like, hey, that's kind of a cool idea. I wonder if we could apply that to Funk Radio and find some that are sort of relevant to what we talk about normally. Um, so yeah. we did some digging, or I did some Googling, I guess. And I found some, not not a ton, surprisingly, probably because, you know, demos aren't usually meant to sound very great. So artists and record studios kind of generally don't want them out there. But, Although we will discuss that some actually do release yeah, them yeah, purposely. yeah. But we found a, we found a good handful um, that we wanted to talk about, and so, some are interesting. Some are some are are. It's very obvious the, stru- the the structure of the song was formulated early on. Some are like totally different. Some are even different artists. So, um, yeah. So we're going to talk about that today. I'm glad that we're doing this, and I really liked the idea when you first pitched it to me because I really don't think we've ever, certainly not at length. I don't think we've ever really talked about like demo tapes or anything. No, not really. Um, music and and it is a, a very common piece of the puzzle when uh, developing a song. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should start out by explaining what they are. Yeah, um, yeah. For for those of you that don't know, listeners, demos are often early recordings of songs meant to be pitches to either the studios, to their bandmates, to whomever, uh, or even to themselves just as a way to kind of hash out the song. They're, they're generally fairly loose. They're, um, they're not fully formed, and it's a way for the artists to, for lack of a better term, demonstrate the lyrics or the tune of a song before they go and record a more final version, which ends up becoming the master for the re- for that record or single or whatever, um, sometimes new artists will record demos and they call them demo tapes, uh, simply to promote themselves and try to get onto a record label. Other artists who are already with record labels will record demos to pitch songs or pitch a new album to the record label to be like, "Hey, give us money so we can make a new another album." Well, it's a, it's a lot cheaper to do it just just do basically a test run. Exactly. And a lot easier, especially if you don't have all of the kinks worked out. Mm-hmm. And the song, um, 
you know, as long as you have the general gist of it going, I think any, you know, music producer with the right ear is going to be able to tell the the potential of it. Because mm-hmm. obviously, you know, they're not going to sound quite as polished as the final version. Yeah, as you listeners will definitely hear on some of these. But uh, what's interesting, too, and we'll get into that a little bit later in the show with some of these artists, is sometimes demos are, are recorded not by the uh, singer, but by, say, the songwriter. So they, mm-hmm. they end up picking someone else to sing a song, and then the studio's like, oh, that's a good song, but we want this singer to sing it, and then the final version ends up being someone completely different. So Yeah, that, that's, um, that particular case is similar to how we've talked long time ago about songs where like the, the a cover version of it became more popular kind of yeah kind of and yeah. i know in a lot of those cases the original person who recorded the song was often the songwriter mm-hmm. oh like that not not that that was a demo tape but it, it's like i was saying it's it's sort of similar to like the first person who records it isn't necessarily the one who you know ends up being known for singing it true very true um, but yeah, no, we got a, we got a good handful of songs here. The the first one I want to talk about is the first one that kind of came up a lot in my searching that I think is just awesome is the demo for Michael Jackson's song "Billie Jean." I know you listened to it as well, Peter. The demo on this particular song is really interesting because if you listen to it, you can tell that the structure and tone of the song is like completely there. Uh, as far as sounding similar to the final version, but he definitely doesn't have the lyrics worked out. So there's parts of the demo where he either kind of mumbles or says lyrics that definitely aren't in the final version or things that don't rhyme, even though he's trying to do a pantometer rhyme. Sometimes he, sometimes it sounds like he's just kind of making it up on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's just kind of hashing it out in his head, kind of, uh, stream of consciousness, yeah, consciousness, sort of. Yeah. Um, and it's it's definitely enjoyable to listen to. Um, unfortunately, we can't play the whole thing. But, um, yeah, w- what we'll do for this, I guess, is we'll play, if, if you agree, Peter, we'll play the yeah. demo and then we'll play the master uh, back-to-back so you can kind of hear the difference. And I, I'll even try to, like, fade them in so it goes from one and smoothly... Oh, that'd be dope. Upgrades yeah. itself. I'll see if that works. Peter, Peter, the editing master. Um, as we complained in our last episode, Peter does all the editing on Funk Radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to our last episode, which was our four-year anniversary. Yeah. And we were sad the entire time. <laughs> we're sad every time. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, I guess let's listen to a clip of... Uh, Michael Jackson's Billie Jean, the demo version, and then the master version. It seems that you So yeah, as funny as as funny as this demo is, um, one of the things I noticed is that on one part where he does have the lyrics clearly, 
um, it's the chorus uh, worked out is the chorus because yeah. partly because he's singing that a bit louder because I think he knows it. That strangely reminds me. I don't know if you've ever seen the Mr. Bean skit where he's singing in church, mm-hmm. where he's he's like mumbling the words because he doesn't because for some reason he doesn't have a hymnal, so he's trying to sing along to the song, but he doesn't know the words. Oh, <laughs> and then it says Hallelujah, like that, and then like he sings that part really loud because he knows that. I I, and, I swear to God, I think everyone has done that one has done that one time or another with a song where they only know yeah. the chorus, so they mouth yeah. the rest, and then they know the chorus. Yeah. They're like, I know this part. Yeah. And, yeah, I do that all a, the time. It's a good skit. That's Mr. pretty funny. Bean, if you haven't seen it, but that, they, for some reason this reminded me of that, and I thought that was funny. Fun fact about Mr. Bean: uh, his real name, Rowan Atkinson. Um, he, I want to say, in the early two thousands, bought a because he was obviously fairly wealthy even then. Bought a McLaren F one, which at the time is pretty much one of the fastest supercars you could buy. And you'd think if a rich person buys a supercar, you know. That's not their daily driver. They're not taking that to the grocery store. Well, not him. He actually had that as his daily driver car for about six or seven years. And would just drive it all around town. I think it was like cool. purple. Let me look this up real quick. I'm going to Google this. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. And apparently he crashed it twice and had it repaired. <laughs> he just says that sounds a little familiar. I, I feel like I've heard that he crashed it at some point. It looks like it says he sold it uh, in 2015 for 12... Mo- 12... Something twelve million dollars. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is purple, like a plum color. Well, even even after crashing it twice, it was still worth twelve million. Uh, apparently, yes. Uh, he's he sold it for eight million pounds, which at the time was twelve million yeah. American dollars. Uh, well, I'm I'm sure a, the fact that says, he owned it jacked up the price quite a bit. It says he originally purchased the car in 1997 for six hundred and forty thousand dollars, and then he sold it for eight million dollars because it's a rare car. That, even right. b- that by that point was no longer made and driven by Mr. Bean. So that's quite that's, quite different from the car he drives in, in his as his yeah. character. He definitely seems like a car guy because it says he still owns a NSX, a Jaguar MK7, an Aston Martin, uh, an old 1939 BMW. I don't even know how that works. And a Rolls Royce Phantom. So, yeah, he's not doing oh. too bad. Yeah, he's uh, definitely a car guy. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. I didn't either. It's, they're all powered mm. by beans. <laughs> Just like me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Moving on. Yes. Uh, so yeah, sorry for the aside. So yeah, um, that was Michael Jackson's Billie Jean demo and Master. Um, were there any other? Were, were there any of these on the list that stood out particularly? To, per, yeah, particularly to you, Peter. I you really liked. About? I really enjoyed. Um, the demo of uh, the Blondie song you have on here. Yeah, it's, it's, we- it's weird. It's yeah. probably my favorite one. Yeah, so um, I guess jumping into that, um, we fe- we have the demo and the master version of Blondie's Heart of Glass. I don't think we ever talked about Blondie on this show. I like her. She's kind of I don't think so. disco, and then she kind of evolved into like punk. It was really weird. Um, yeah. And the demo version of her song doesn't really sound that different, except that you can tell the beat is much slower and sounds almost more more disco-y than the final version um it's kind of reg- reggae-y too kind of yeah bit. yeah like funky exactly um but then their her producer at the time chris stein uh heard the demo and i think this was i don't know exactly when the song was voiced i want to say 79 i think this is at the time when disco was kind of fading so right. 
he said that he wanted to, quote, make it more Krautrock sounding, because I think at the time, you know, Krautrock kind of referring a little bit to, to uh, help me, German Germans. electronic band. Yeah. It's the band you listen to with the Germans and the thing and the Kraftwerk. Kind of Kraftwerky, Krautrock, Kraftwerk, whatever. German stuff. That was kind of becoming popular at the time. Uh, so they basically kind of sped up the beat a little bit. But um, it, 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 you can tell the lyrics are exactly the same. Yeah, it definitely sounds different enough that it would, it would. I kind of wish that they did like a, a, a cleaned up recording of that earlier style of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, it's a, it's a very famous song, and, he, and he, because it's so well known, you think of it only specifically in this one fashion as the way the master sounds. But then you hear the demo, and it's completely substantiated. It's it's fleshed out, but it sounds completely different. It's weird to think about a song like that. Yeah, you know. But yeah, no, the, the demo is a really good song, and exactly, I almost wish they would have had a, a, a say a master, I guess, of that version because it's interesting, and I, I almost. I don't want to say I like it better, but I like it just the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's let's we'll do the same as we did for Michael Jackson. Let's play a clip of it, and then we'll fade into the master. Assuming that's what we did for the last one. Assuming that's what <laughs> we did for the last one. Did we do that? Oh yeah. Sorry, well, Peter, I, it putting, depends. I'm putting it depends words on if it works. Mouth. I don't know. It probably will. Make it work. We'll do it live. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> So yeah, that was um, Heart of Glass by Blondie. Probably her most favorite famous song. Did you have a favorite one from this list that we haven't touched on yet? Or did we already? Uh, I, my, I mean, I guess I, aside from Michael Jackson's Billy Jean, just because it's funny. Uh, yeah. um, I think my favorite is probably the, um, the Bengals' Manic Monday because this mm. is the most different, I guess. Not most different, but as we were talking earlier... Sometimes songs uh, are sang by one person in the demo and another person in the master. Well, uh, Manic Monday by the Bangles is a very famously Bangles song. They're kind of a, I don't, don't want to say they were one at one earth. They were a very shortly famous 80s band. Um, and turns out that the demo of that song was originally done and pitched by Prince. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I was like, huh, I didn't know he had a hand in that. Did he write it? Yep. He, it was written by American musician Prince using the pseudonym Christopher. Originally, it was intended for the group Apollonia 6 in 1984, but he then offered the song to the Bengals two years later. So there you go. Is there any... What Did he ever intend on recording it himself? Fully, or uh, was I it think, a song where he wrote I think, it for I, someone else? I think it was a song... It was, an, it was an, uh, a situation where he wrote it for someone else, but then for whatever oh, okay. reason, they didn't do it. But then he still did the, the demo. Yeah, he, I, I believe the demo is him with the Apollonia 6. Um, oh, okay. but I, I, there is also a version I found on YouTube that's just them. But I like the one with um, him okay. because he's Prince. I, uh, what, what were your thoughts on the demo of this? Because I didn't really... It, it felt... felt. I mean, like even as demos go, it felt pretty unpolished. Yeah, you can tell it's kind of just like almost like a 
pre-recorded backbeat, and he's just kind of testing out the mood and the lyrics. But it's definitely it basically just sounds like Prince covering the song, even though it's funny because he he wrote it. Yeah, but yeah, it's I wouldn't say it's the most unpolished in this list. Um, that I'd have to probably give to the Strokes. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you on that one. Yeah, um, coming up soon, listeners. Yeah. Uh, but you can tell, yeah, it's 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 just him kind of testing out the, the the lyrics that he wrote, obviously with a, with a fairly similar sounding backbeat. But yeah. um, it's definitely not as recognizable, I would say, as the the Bengals version. Maybe only because the Bengals Bengals version is the one that became popular. I don't know. Yeah, self fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, Prince often did that. I mean, on top of being a obviously talented multi-talented musician he often wrote songs for other artists and helped other artists gain fame um that's cool so this is obviously one of those scenarios well a lot of the great the greats in music um are people who do that yeah yeah exactly uh i know mick jagger did that a lot with artists as well in his later years Mm. would kind of they almost act as like recruiters they discover talent just as they were discovered themselves and they help you know bring them up and stuff yeah artists helping artists kind of thing i guess who was it that we discussed at some i don't remember who it was um maybe barry white or somebody i know i think it might have been barry white because yeah. like he was like originally a songwriter he didn't actually want to be a performer but he recorded the de- his like his own demo tapes i'm, yeah. I'm just remembering this now of himself singing the song that he wrote, but then people were like, "Hey, you sound really good. You should be a singer." I was gonna say, wasn't wasn't he originally sort of the songwriter slash producer for that girl group whose name escapes um, me right now? It says he was he was he says he was also a singer with the Love Unlimited Orchestra. But yeah, I thought initially, even with that band, he was more of like the kind of songwriter slash producer, and then eventually yeah. kind of fell into the singer category, and was and they were like, "Oh, well, you sound good," so keep doing it i'm pretty yeah i'm pretty sure it was him because he it's it's funny because he came became known for like singing all these like really sensual songs and having this really deep voice but originally he was like didn't want to do any kind of performing at all so yeah i'm pretty sure it was <laughs> fun facts this is funk radio the the facts are kind of blurry the facts are loose and have and most of it's made up uh, fun actual fact. It says here that Barry White's brother Daryl was murdered in a clash with a rival gang, and White White himself was jailed at the age of sixteen for stealing thirty thousand dollars worth of Cadillac tires. How the fuck do you steal <laughs> tires? I, that sounds familiar. That he wait, he went to jail at a young age, but I didn't realize it was for stealing Cadillac tires. Thirty thousand dollars worth of Cadillac tires, and that's probably back in the what seventies. Was he sixteen? That was like. Tires. Because he was born in 44, if he was 16, that would have been 60, 1960. So, damn. Well, we'll let you listeners do the math while we listen to the demo and the master of Manic Monday. By Prince and then the Bengals. Yeah, you're right, Peter. This, there, 
this one interested me only because it was sung by a different artist than it was yeah, initially yeah. intended for. But the demo isn't super... The lyrics are fleshed out, by obviously, because Prince wrote them. But yeah. definitely not as... The, uh, the music feels like it's not quite there. Yeah, it's definitely not as polished as the Bengals version. Um, so you had mentioned a minute ago about the strokes. Should we just go ahead and do that one? Yeah, before I have one. Um, so yeah, the, the, the winner of the most unpolished demo on our list is by far the strokes. Um, they actually are, it's interesting. They actually have an entire album called like demos, b-sides and rarities or something that is all demos of theirs. Um, some artists do that, I suppose, either to kind of, you know, make a quick buck because, you know, more, more album sales or the studios probably more so make a quick buck because <laughs> they're like, oh, we have all this recorded shit that we, you know, just have sitting on shelves. So let's put it on an album and make money from it because, uh, you know, fans will be interested, I guess. Yeah. Um, but that being said, there's a lot of demos out, uh, demo versions out there for a lot of songs off of the Strokes album, Is This It? Um, and one of the most interesting ones, I guess, is for the title song of the album, Is This It? Um, and because the demo, um, the, the master song, it's, it's, it, the Strokes always have, even have had a very, I don't want to say raw sound, but it's fairly, they're a fairly stripped down band. They don't like mm. overproduce the shit out of things. I right. mean, yeah, uh, the singer Julian Casablanca, you know, sometimes uses voice modulators or whatever in his songs, but in general, they're very much like an early 2000s kind of post-punk New York band. Um, but this demo sounds like he recorded it in like a goddamn bathroom closet or something. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, it, yeah, it's probably on, on like his, you know, I don't know what what cell phone was out in 2000 on his Razor. No, that wasn't even 2000. God, what cell phones were out in 2000? That Nokia, I don't think we that, even had cell phones back then. No, no. They, well, we had like the ones that were like That bricks. Nokia brick phone, that blue one that like is indestructible. I forget the name of it. I think my mom had one. It was, mm. it was back when phones had the green like calculator looking screen. But yeah, it, it basically sounds like he recorded it on those types of, those types of phones. Um, the, the lyrics are, are fairly fleshed out. But it's a shorter version of the song. The original is like two and a half minutes, and this this demo version is like a minute. So mm-hmm. I don't even think he has all the verses kind of fleshed out. But uh, uh, I noticed that parts of it weren't even like he was kind of off key sometimes as well. Yeah, again, uh, at su- least it felt that way to me. Super rough. The master version is definitely more masterful than well <laughs> than the demo. Which yeah, is yeah. which is funny you say because this is probably one of the, their most unpolished songs on the album on of of all their final songs. Yeah, that's actually that's a good point to make. Is that the the final version is actually itself fairly stripped down as well? So um, yeah, so that maybe, says something about the demo. It, it was yeah, it was the, the the style of the master kind of begot the 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 unpolishedness, the roughness of the demo. Mm-hmm. But it's a good song. I love the Strokes. So. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll again play the demo. Then the master. We don't have to fade. If Peter can't make it work, we're not fading. We'll do it live. Fuck it. You don't have any faith in me, Kyle. This is true. No, I I do. Well, what's going to happen though if the lyrics of a song are different on the the the, <laughs> the mm. demo to the final? Then you can't blend them because the lyrics aren't the same. What are you going to do, Peter? Well, 
We'll see. Is this it? The demo and the master. Uh, I know on the the uh, XMU Jason Schwartzman thing I referenced at the beginning of the episode that he did play a Strokes demo. I don't believe it was this song, but he played another one. Mm. So well, if you said that they have a whole album out, yeah, exactly, stuff. exactly. I'm sure there's plenty to pull from. So the final. I, I was just gonna say I do I do like that. Um, I, I do appreciate that many bands have. Uh, demo albums. more wider releases like that of of their demos because i think yeah. especially for obviously it's only really going to make any money if the band is really well known and has enough of a of a fan base to actually want to buy that kind of stuff yeah it's um, it's it's almost like it, i i, I could have swore we talked about this in an old episode where bands would release the greatest hits of their songs yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's a cheap way for them to make a buck because they just gather up all their you know masters of, of uh previous songs that they've recorded, put them, put their best ones in an album and be poof, here you go. $5 Walmart bargain bin. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't uh, take them any extra work to, to just put out the demos. Really. Exactly. It's just, it, 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 I, I think as an artist, it takes a lot of confidence to put out your unfinished work to be like, Hey, not only do you guys appreciate my, the, you know, the songs that we've released, yeah. we want you to see the thought process that goes into them. Some artists are very, self-conscious or sheltered about that they don't want people you know hearing their unpolished ideas but other artists are like whatever here you go speaking of which yeah good tie-in i guess um and the strokes are definitely one of the ones that are more open with that um yeah tie-ins we remember when we used to do those then force them remember when we used to actually be relevant (laughs) no (laughs) that's true uh yeah, so the last artist on the list um, is a little bit, a little bit the opposite of what we just talked about with the Strokes is Elton John's with his <clears throat> wow, Elton John with his song Benny and the Jets. Um, so Peter did some more digging than I did because he's better at that, and found out that there's actually some questionability as to whether this recording is even actually a demo. Was this in the article that you had read? I'm just curious. I, Where did you find this one? There was like two or three different articles I found that mentioned this because basically there, there was oh, a lot of articles oh, really? out there of like, oh, 10 demo versions of songs you have to listen to or 10 demo versions that sound totally different from the originals. And this popped up a lot. I'm like, okay. Interesting. Well, so I, I saw some um, comments by people that they were claiming that it wasn't. it's not actually a demo. It's just the vocal track stripped out from the rest of the song. I mean, I, I've heard Benny and the Jets before, but I don't know it closely enough to be able to say, oh, like, these lyrics are different or this pacing is different at this point in the song. I mean, I guess if you played them back to back, you could try to see if there was something. I actually don't know. So um, something I did learn, though, in my digging, it sounds like in many cases, Elton John was against recording demo versions of songs at all. Um, and even if he did, there's I, apparently there's a bunch of them that exist somewhere. But whatever you know, music company or archive, whatever's they're buried somewhere on this planet, and no one knows 
really cares about finding them. I mean, people people do care about finding, like fans care about listening to them, but the people who own the stuff in some warehouse somewhere, you know, they're not going to go through the work of digging it up. And Elton John himself in the past um, apparently expressed that he didn't really want to release them. I, it's it, Like you said, it's kind of opposite from the Strokes, how... I don't. I don't know if there's any specific reason for it, but it sounds like he just didn't feel comfortable releasing his versions of his stuff that wasn't polished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and, and it, it depends on the artist, you know. Oh, absolutely, and your attitude toward it and everything. Um, apparently, the Beatles were similar. They didn't really want demos out there. I, I think so. Yeah, hmm. I kind of found that in a little bit of digging as well. Um, I do know another demo that did pop up a lot. I just didn't know if it kind of fell into our wheelhouse is uh, the Beatles Strawberry Fields demo that I think did get out there. Oh, interesting. Mm. So listeners, um, this is a little bit of time travel here. This is Peter from the editing stage of this episode. Um, So while I was putting this uh, episode together, I realized that yes, we were correct in that the Elton John supposed demo tape is actually just the vocal track from the song that somebody ripped out it's not real despite what many articles said on the internet so instead of that we're going to go ahead and play the uh the demo of strawberry fields by the beatles um alongside the final version because uh, we like that one as well and it's real so <laughs> we'll play that one instead i mean i think i know that yes but it's all wrong that is, I think I disagree. Let me take you back, cause I'm going to Strawberry Fields. Nothing is real, and nothing to get hung about. Strawberry Fields forever. Well, now I'm going down the rabbit hole, Kyle, of seeing all these other demos of. Beatles songs on YouTube, and they're quite good. They they just obviously never like officially released them. They got they got out there somehow. Well, they hmm. yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that happens sometimes. Because I, I think in a lot of it, not, I don't know the lot, but it seems semi common that demos will get released like unofficially somehow. Yeah, maybe someone gets a hold of like a vinyl of it or something and. Well, I know. Abby, isn't Abby, didn't Abbey Road go out of business? Maybe a lot of their recordings kind of went out into the ether after that happened. I don't know. I think that might be a similar thing with Elton John's stuff that like some holding company has like all of them in storage somewhere, but they're not really releasing them. So yeah. if you want to learn more, stick around for the platinum version of Funk Radio, only one ninety nine a minute. For the first five minutes. A minute. <laughs> it's like a sex hotline. Unless we're offering them sex, I don't think that's worth the price. Hot scheme. Hot scheme. Because funk. if we were offering them sex, it would be definitely worth the price, right? Hell yeah, I'm worth a dollar ninety nine a minute. That's only uh, 120 bucks an hour. That's a better than bottom of the barrel prostitute. Yeah, I assume. I would assume bottom of the barrel is like minimum wage prostitute. Do they have those? They just charge where you, bucks where an you hour. pay them minimum wage an hour. Yeah, that would be terrible. Yeah, for them and for them and you. <laughs> Is that why so many people are angry about raising the minimum wage? Because it'll make prostitutes more expensive. <laughs> 
terrible. So if you enjoy learning a little bit about demo shits, tell us on Facebook. At, at facebook.com slash get your funk. Oh, I wanted to do it in harmony. Oh, I was going to let you say it because it sounded like you wanted to say it. I wanted us both to say it at exactly All right. the same time. We'll harmonize the fucking soundcloud.com <laughs> slash, slash get, get your, your funk. funk. Oh, God, we're right at this. <laughs> it's okay. And then mixcloud.com slash, slash get, get your, your funk. funk. It's, every, it's basically just something something slash get your funk. No. Twitter.com slash get your funk. Oh, I forgot. We do have a Twitter at get your funk, but we don't use it. So yeah. if, you're, if you're twitting us, then we're not. If t- <laughs> is that things. the verb Peter twitting? Sure. Uh, yeah. If you listeners know of any other demos that are interesting, uh, let us know on our Facebook page or SoundCloud comments, whatever. And yeah, maybe we'll do a part two sometime if we can draw up some other demos. I don't know. We should be able to. I think it's they are. I they are kind of hard to find though. Mm-hmm. You're right. Because yeah, like like we were saying, a lot of artists don't like to release them, or more so, studios don't like to release them. So, mm. yep. So yeah, um, join us next time for another exciting episode of Little Orphan Annie. I mean, Funk Radio. And he and he, and he goes to the glue factory and learns what happens to the horses that don't win the race. And then she falls into the glue vat, and the same thing happens to her. Well, don't tell them the ending. (laughs) Bye, listeners. Okay, bye.